Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pursuit of Truth podcast. My name is Will. I'm your host. Today's date is May 20th, 2021, and this is going to be episode 46. It's going to be called, This is a Marathon, Not a Sprint. The truth is, the truth comes like a leaking faucet, not a waterfall. So, well, I hope you're all doing well. This is going to be my last uh, segment of the, the week here. But yeah, like I said, I hope you're all doing well. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting a little harder to do certain, uh, certain podcast episodes because on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, you know, I start my work, I start my work week on Tuesdays. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, I really have to do a task at work every Tuesday and Wednesday that I really abhor, uh, because a couple coworkers left. And so I'm the guy for certain tasks and things like that. So they're just terrible, but you know, God got me through. Uh, Wednesday today on Tuesday I didn't really have to do much because I had to do so many other things around the city but today I had a lot less uh, things to do around north and south Sacramento Uh, I was mostly in the core of the city there doing my thing there so let's gonna go ahead and get into our economic news here so we're gonna start off with uh, now we know that you know that that uh, picture I had from We the Media. You can go on Telegram, uh, the app Telegram, and We the Media has the uh, the picture of Trump's numbers versus Biden numbers. We know that, so that's what was going on. We also know that Joe Biden has really been expanding the nanny state. And if you don't know what I mean by the nanny state, I mean like the welfare state, the government taking care of people, pe- people's reliance on the government. Joe Biden has really expanded that with the stimulus checks and then them paying people to stay home and then the American Families Plan, the jobs and things like that. They're just really just paying people to stay home. So things like that. So I have this article that I noticed on the gatewaypundit.com. Now, I know that there was a video of Joe Biden driving a vehicle because... Um, well, go ahead and read this. For, I'll go ahead and read my notes first. So it says, 78-year-old Joe Biden traveled to Dearborn, Michigan to visit uh, Ford Rogue Electric Vehicle Center. Biden promoted his highly unpopular $2 trillion infrastructure plan that has nothing to do with the infrastructure that includes $174 billion to develop electric vehicles. At one point, Joe Biden repeated the lie that his great-grandpop was a coal miner. Biden, Biden then drove the truck, or did he? And then... Um, but they have photos and videos and things like that. You see somebody else's uh, arm and things in the video, but that's not my. That's not what I'm. The Gateway Pundit is really going big on the fact that uh, Joe Biden wasn't the one really driving the vehicle. My thing here is that I told you that they were going to push their electric, green energy stuff. I told you gas prices are going through the roof. So what do they have to do? They're going to make the people say, you know, the people are going to be saying, oh, we can't sustain this. We might need something new. And the government is going to be going to be suggesting that too. the government and the mainstream media. They're going to be saying, oh, gas is too high. People can't even pay for this stuff. So I guess we need to go to electric uh, and green energy and the vehicle miles tax and things like that from the Department of Transportation and things like that. Let me point out another thing to you. I know that there was a video of. Joe Biden driving. My thing is that I don't care that he was driving or not. Here's my thing. The president of the United States, whoever that president is, is not allowed to drive a vehicle. 
they are not allowed to drive for safety. The president of the, it could be Donald Trump, Obama, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, whoever. The president is not allowed to drive a vehicle. The only time that a president has ever been allowed to drive a vehicle is is, is if it's on private their own private property. I know Ronald Reagan had like a tractor and things like that. He would drive and uh, things like that. But the president of the United States is not allowed to drive a motor vehicle. So Joe Biden being in the video, in, in the video, he wasn't driving. There's no way he was driving. You can look it up. The Secret Service does not allow the president to drive. So that video, it was fake. Okay, I don't care. And I know they have pictures and videos and stuff about somebody else's uh, hand and stuff in there and things like. I don't care about that. I only care about the fact that the president is not allowed to drive a car. And then the article says, let's face it, would you want to sit in a car with Joe Biden behind the wheel? Uh, He's probably a better driver than a lot of these people in Sacramento. Now, Donald Trump actually had a statement from his desk. And the Washington Examiner actually um, had it up there. It says this. Donald Trump says this. He says, Joe Biden, having already presided over the worst economic recovery since World War II as Barack Obama's vice president, could could oversee one even worse. Biden came into office with every economic failure, excuse me, feature in his favor. Thanks to Operation Warp Speed, his White House inherited the most remarkable vaccine production process in history. Because the coronavirus recession was created by preventative lockdowns and demand shocks, not underlying failures in the economy, the country seemed to the, the country seemed keen to roar back to our pre-pandemic prosperity of unusually tight labor markets and steady natural wage growth of early 2020. Love Donald Trump or hate him, there is no denying that he oversaw the obliteration of our former conception of what constituted full employment. Read the full Washington Examiner editorial. And of course, you know, uh, he quotes the, the Washington Examiner itself. I just honestly just think it's hilarious how Donald Trump uh, talks about himself in the third person. He does it when he's typing, and then he does it also when he's, when he's up there at his rallies. He would say, so-and-so, this person loves Trump, this person likes Trump. You know, it's kind of funny how he, how he refers to himself in the third person. Um, one thing about his desk for me is that, uh, you know, when he was on Twitter, you get 280 characters and everything like that. So you couldn't sit there and write books. But this guy, Donald Trump, on his desk website, this guy's writing articles. Okay, this guy's writing articles. All right, you just look at it. He's writing books, sitting there typing. Okay, so um, there's a tweet here from uh, Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State. Talk about him all the time. He says American pipe. Excuse me. He says American pipeline and jobs. No. Russian pipeline and jobs. Yes. He says President Biden. If you can't put America first, can you at least not put Russia first? So let me tell you what that tweet's all about. So I have an article here from the Washington Examiner. It says that lawmakers blast the Biden administration sanctions waiver for Kremlin-backed Russian pipeline to Germany. So pretty much in a nutshell here, without, I don't really have to go too much, too far into the article, in a nutshell, Joe Biden had sanctions on Russia, but he actually waived the sanctions, uh, and he was he's supporting Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline to Germany. So pretty much he got rid of our pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline, and he's backing Russia's pipeline. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? 
Article here, part of the article says, under both former President Barack Obama and former President Donald Trump, the United States opposed the Nord Stream 2 pipeline designed to carry Russia, Russian natural gas to Europe under the Baltic Sea. The pipeline would bypass Ukraine, denying that U.S. partner the money it would make helping transport the energy itself as a Kremlin attempts to squeeze Ukraine and gain influence in Europe. So, yes, that's that's absolutely right. The Washington Examiner has it absolutely right. So, if you didn't, if you didn't uh, realize this... America and Russia are competing for influence in Europe, just like America competes with China for influence in Southeast Asia and just Asia as a whole. So in Europe, you know, you have Ukraine, which is an ally of the United States. Um, Ukraine is not part of NATO, but Ukraine, the Ukrainian government wants to be a part of NATO. But um, what you have is that remember when Russia went and annexed part of Ukraine, the Crimean, Crimean region? And what had happened was a lot of Russian citizens moved over to uh, that Crimea region. And they would uh, say, hey, Putin, come annex us, annex us. We want Russian rule here. And so that's what happened. And so you do have a lot of uh, people in Ukraine who are pro-Russia. And you have some, you have a lot that are not. So the country's kind of being like kind of torn in two there. And so America and Russia were competing for that influence there. And so this could further destabilize the region, okay? Because it could give Putin more and more influence and control over there, okay? I don't know why Joe Biden would do this. That's that is a that's a pathetic idea. It's an idiotic proposal, uh, and that's it's ridiculous. It says the the State Department report due every ninety days calls for sanctions against a handful of Russian ships. But Secretary of State Antony Blinken said in a statement, he said this. I said, quote, I have determined that it is in the national interest of the United States to waive the application of sanctions on Nord Stream 2 AG, its CEO Matthias Warnig, and Nord Stream 2's AG's corporate officers. Now that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. It's just helping Russia. And then it's crazy how the mainstream media and the Democrats are always saying, Russia, 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 this, Russia is so bad. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden's helping him. And the mainstream media is not, the mainstream media, CNN's not blasting him for this. That's just, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. Okay. Now, moving on. So I have an article here from decrypt.co. Uh, it says that wealthy clients of Wells Fargo will soon be able to buy Bitcoin. Wells Fargo Investment Institute has been working on a professionally managed solution for crypto investing. Now it's nearly ready to launch. Wells Fargo has joined a host of other institutions in rolling out a crypto offering. Despite the new offering, a Wells Fargo executive still frames crypto as having, quote, plenty of risks, unquote. So now you see, now remember I told you the small banks were doing crypto and the big banks would have to jump on board. It's almost like, it's almost as if I know something. It's almost as if I know something, you know, because you're seeing Bitcoin ATMs and things like that. And so let's 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 talk a little bit about uh, Bitcoin. I know that a lot of you, I, I tell you, buy Bitcoin. I tell you that all the time. And I know some people are probably uh, looking at Bitcoin drop. Well, last time I looked at it, it was like thirty two thousand. And some people are probably some people who are skeptical of Bitcoin and kind of skeptical of my love for Bitcoin. They're kind of saying, ha. Ah, you are wrong. Yes, he was wrong. But no, here's the thing. Here's the thing about investing. When you're investing, whether you're day trading or holding or things like that, you can't be emotional when you're when you're investing. Okay, take your emotions out of your investment. Okay, because when you get emotional, 
and you say, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose money, I'm going to lose money, then you start to sell your Bitcoin and sell your stock, and all of a sudden it goes back up. And then, boom, you're just out of luck. Okay? I think that's going to go back up. In my opinion, I think that if you're holding Bitcoin and you're going to keep on investing in it, I think you'll be good for the next decade. And here's the thing. We weren't putting all of our money in Bitcoin anyway. We weren't putting all of our money in gold and silver. We're saving money. We're putting some in Bitcoin. We're putting some in gold and silver. Hey, I mean, I, I, I'll be straight up honest with you. I lost like $300 of, of uh, I lost like three in terms of Bitcoin. I lost like $300 the other day. I'm still down about four or 500 bucks, but it'll go up. I think it'll go back up and I'm going to continue to put money into it every week. Put about, oh man, I put about, uh, I actually raised how much I put in it because you know, you buy the dip and Warren Buffett uh, has a great um, quote about investing it's it's one of the things I, I i live by in terms of investing he says when everyone is greedy be afraid but when everyone is afraid be greedy so it looks like everyone's afraid on the bitcoin so i'm gonna be greedy you know so because because i'm I, i'm investing about 200 every week about a little over 200 bucks i put about 200 bucks just into bitcoin uh every week every every single week so Let's move on to our politics and rights and things like this. So we got more crazy folks. All right. All right. You know, you know, folks are crazy. So Lori Lightfoot, who is the mayor of Chicago, she is an awful mayor. Uh, They had those riots going on in Chicago and she did nothing. She denied the National Guard coming in. So here, here, and she's one of these uh, Black Lives Matter supporter politicians. Okay. She goes on with it. Okay. Now. I have an article here from the uh, DailyCaller.com. It says that Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is giving interviews only to journalists of color. So it says Democratic Mayor Mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot of Chicago is giving interviews solely to black or brown journalists, local reporters announced on social media. Lightfoot said she is giving priority to journalists of color temporarily. I think it's going to be more than temporarily. A lady by the name of Mary Ann Ahern from NBC. She says this. She says, as Chicago mayor, she tweeted this, as Chicago mayor reaches her two-year midway point as mayor, her spokeswoman says Lightfoot is granting one-on-one interviews only to black or brown journalists. Now, a gentleman by the name of Joe Kent, who is a congressional candidate in Washington, he called Lightfoot a racist for her alleged practice. Laverne Spicer, who is a uh, candidate for Congress in Florida, he also spoke out against Lori Lightfoot's movement. And that is racist. Okay? That is racist. If you, if you make rules and things that sit, you say, oh, it's not right for, oh, black. If, okay, if you if you have a set of, uh, like a restaurant, and you see, you say, okay, black people have to eat in the back where no one can see them. Then the media would be going, the media would be losing their minds. Okay? If I had a restaurant, I said, okay, the black people got to eat in the back uh, underneath the shed. Uh, the, the media would lose their, lose their mind. But if I said the white people got to eat in the back room with the lights off underneath the shed next to the dog kennel, the media wouldn't care. It's just just crazy. It's just crazy. Okay. Both scenarios are racist, by the way. Okay. And it just, it just, it just baffles me how some people say, oh, black people can't be racist. Oh, yes, they can. Okay. There are racist people of every gender, excuse me, not gender. uh, There are racist people of uh, every color black white asian hispanic 
Middle Eastern. There are racist people of every color, of every ethnicity, nationality. But do I think the majority of people are racist? No. Do I think most white people are racist? Absolutely, absolutely not. I think 99.9% .9 of white people I meet are not racist. Okay. I, I, there are very few times in my life where I've been able to say this person was probably racist. Very few times in my life. Very, very few. Uh, it's hard for me to even recall uh, any instances from any uh, race of people. Besides the uh, Chinese Communist Party. Because uh, they're racist towards anyone who is not Chinese. Now, an article here from technofog.substack.org tells us that the DOJ and the FBI are saying that they can't be sued for FISA ab abuse. So now we know we know the FISA court is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance uh, Court. And so we know that the uh, it was revealed that the DOJ and the FBI got a... Uh, they actually lied to the FISA court that Donald Trump was working with Russia. And they got the a fake dossier and everything to go in and, and investigate him. We know that because of all the evidence and things that have come out. Because if it was true, I, I'm sure he would have gotten indicted on that one. Now, you can actually look all that stuff up. I actually, uh, There's actually a book that a friend recommended to me back in 2017. It's called The Fight to Save President Trump. Uh, I read it. It was uh, it actually told you the entire story about that Carter Page dossier and things like that. So I think that you should go ahead and give the book a try. Um, so it's it's actually a really really good book, the fight to save President Trump. It's a good book. And so article says the DOJ has asked the court to dis dismiss in its entirety the Carter Page lawsuit relating to the DOJ FBI FISA abuses that occurred in 2016 and 2017. In doing so, the United States government has adopted two infuriating positions. First, it's arguing that it can abuse the FISA process and spy on American citizens with an invalid warrant because the warrant that they had for Donald Trump was invalid. Um, it wasn't a legitimate warrant. So the second one is that they cannot be held liable for spying on American citizens with an invalid warrant and lying to the foreign intelligence surveillance apparatus. Wow, it's crazy. Now, remar remarkably, the United States position is that invalid and illegal FISA renewals secured after U.S. government employees and officials mislead the FISA court, violate its duty of candor to the FISA court, and alter evidence. Wow. So, the United States is also claiming that uh, Carter Page's lawsuit was filed too late. The one to get the warrant on Donald Trump. So, for years, the FBI and DOJ have actually obscured from the public and from congressional investigators the extent of the FISA abuses. FBI Director Christopher Wray opposed the contents uh, and release of Devin Nunes' mem memo, which were actually proven to be ac accurate. Yeah, so in the nutshell, the government saying pretty much we can investigate you without a warrant and uh, we can't be held liable for it. So, now moving on to the Gateway, another Gateway Pundit article. The New York Attorney General announces the Trump, Trump, or, Trump organization is now under criminal investigation. New York, New, New York AG Letitia James announced that the Trump organization is now under criminal investigation. Uh, Letitia James her office actually didn't give a reason for expanding the investigation into the Trump administration or organization, excuse me. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm actually betting it's political. 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, because they don't like Donald Trump, go after him, you know, some the Republicans didn't like Hillary Clinton, they go after her and the Benghazi and things like that and the emails and it's 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 all politics, okay? Now, in 2018, the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, was actually seen cursing on video and threatening Donald Trump. She's saying, oh, we're definitely going to be, she said, okay, this is a quote here. So, quote, oh, we're definitely going to sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. He's going to know, he's going to know my name personally, unquote. So, that was Letitia James here. I think it was just so bad how black folks really present themselves like that. As soon as they get a little bit of power, they just, they just get nasty things like that you know you can look at if you want to think about somebody evil look at the wicked witch of the west maxine waters now somebody asked me what is evil i said maxine waters now i think that like i'll say i'll say it again i think that if they had something on donald trump they would have taken him down with Mueller investigated him from top to bottom bottom Mueller couldn't find anything uh i think that if they really had something they had a god upon it you know um so it's it's kind of weird how they're they were looking into uh, his political dealings, and they couldn't find anything, and now they're looking into his business. Hmm. How about that? Now, but imagine what it would be like if, by law, every United States congressman and congresswoman, and senator and president, was all, they were all audited by the IRS, or actually not even the IRS, because that's like the criminals investigating themselves. So, but imagine if all these politicians were audited every one or two years by an independent agency. Imagine what would happen if those audits extended to all family members, all family members of such elected officials. Imagine that we'd have a lot of people up in jail. Now, so I have an article here from the Washington Examiner. It says more than sixty-one thousand immigrants who illegally crossed cross the United States-Mexico border have been released into the United States since the start of Joe Biden's presidency, according to federal data. It says the DHS. Uh, their border patrol allowed 61,000 illegal immigrants to walk out of their stations in February, March, and April. The number is actually staggering. Excuse me, the number is a staggering increase for, increase from the 18 people who were let go uh, during former President Donald Trump's final full month in office, when the number of families showing up at the border was one tenth of what it is currently. So, gonna uh, go ahead and move on, move right along here. Now, let's quickly talk about Israel. So, we know that Israel Israel didn't initiate the attacks uh, on Gaza or Hamas. Remember I told you last segment about uh, Hamas um, egging on uh, Muslim worshippers who came up to the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And then uh, Hamas was calling them heroes for assaulting the police and telling them to behead Israel, Jewish people in the streets and buy a knife and sharpen it. And then when they started a riot at the temple, at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the Israeli police um, tried to stop it. And then Hamas responded with missiles. So, but of course, the mainstream media narrative, the narrative of all your friends and family are going to... Uh, probably follow are the same ones that the mainstream media is telling you because i was on reddit and i looked at reddit and everything and of course there are lots of people protesting in favor of palestine and things like that of course that is the mainstream media narrative but palestine uh is riddled with terror and terrorists okay it's not the average people it's the people like hamas and hezbollah now just remember israel is the ally palestine is the enemy Although the mainstream media will tell you the opposite. So whatever the mainstream media tells you, the opposite is actually the truth. So 
Now, moving on. So Texas governor, he actually, uh, he bans the mask mandates in schools starting in June. And this comes from the Federalist.com. So he actually issued an executive order banning mask mandates in school in schools across the Lone Star State beginning in June. That's the title of the article. So it says, under the Republicans' new order, government entities such, such as counties, cities, school districts, and health officials are barred from mandating masks anywhere unless in publicly funded nursing homes, hospitals, or jails. Any local governments that continue to require face coverings outside of areas where there are exceptions can be fined up to $1,000 for ignoring the order beginning May on May 21st. I say bravo. Bravo. Bravo to... Uh, Mr. Abbott. So, um, I have uh, some pictures here from Disclose.tv, which is the Telegram channel I talk about a little bit. And they say, uh, we're talking about COVID and stuff. So, the World Economic Forum um, tweeted this. They said, get your COVID-19 jab or you could face consequences from your employer. And the picture they put up said, company policies for employees regarding COVID-19 vaccination. It says 88% of employers will require or encourage vaccination for employees. It says 40% require all employees to be vaccinated uh, against COVID. 32% encourage but not require. 16% require uh, some, excuse me, 16% require some employees to be vaccinated. So, there's that. So what I say is that am I gonna me personally me face consequences for my employee my excuse me, my employer? I'm gonna tell you this much. I work for the government. I'm a public servant, and then people don't care when you work for the government. I know that the 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 the, the government workers who are listening to this they're laughing. You're laughing right now because you know it's true. You know your supervisor is just another government worker just like you, and you just you don't care. Okay, you don't care. And even if they, I mean, because I have people in my building who don't want to do that. And I don't want to do it either. You know, it's not even FDA approved. Okay, now that's something about my supervisors. You got to give them folks credit. My supervisors are pragmatic. And they got, they, they when it comes to this stuff, they got their heads on straight. Okay, I, I give them that. Even though they're probably never going to hear this. But this just no, I got some supervisors that got their head on straight. And besides... If they forced us to get a vaccine, I'd be like, oh, oh, it's vacation time. I guess I'm taking a vacation because I got vacation time, sick time, holiday time, whatever. Okay? I say bring it. All right? Bring it. I'm going to get paid to stay home. And then I'm going to do more podcasts. Okay? I'm just gonna, if I get paid to stay home, I'm going to do a podcast every day. Okay? I'll let you know if that happens. So, so moving on. To the, uh, we're going to talk about the Georgia, because uh, Georgia's about to audit, so audit the uh, election here so now there's a telegram channel called georgia audit and this stuff is heating up here okay because remember title the titles it was telling you that this is going to drip out like a faucet it's not all going to come out at once this is coming out slowly and slower and slower that's what we had you had arizona first then michigan now you have Georgia, New Hampshire. It's all going to go slowly. And then we st- when we start seeing those states audit and the results come out, they're going to say, oh, wait, if their results were this, we should look at it over here. If they were doing that over here, where that w- what happened over there? Because remember in uh, Philadelphia, they actually found out that 430,000 votes were swapped from Biden to Trump. Excuse me, from Trump to Biden. Now, Georgia audit on the Telegram, they say this. It's shocking. Georgia has 
Georgia still has not produced chain of custody records for more than 333,000 absentee vote by mail ballots deposited in drop boxes in the 2020 election. They say, quote, six months after the November 3rd election, officials at the state and county levels in Georgia have failed to produce chain of custody records for the vote by mail ballots in the drop that were deposited in the drop box location. It says Joe Biden was certified as a victor of Georgia and its 16 electoral votes by a margin of about 11,000 votes or less than uh, 0.25% of the 5 million voters cast in the November 3rd election. According to the Georgia Secretary of State's office, 1.3 million of these votes were cast as absentee vote-by-mail ballots. Based on polling conducted by John McLaughlin and Associates, 700,000 of these absentee ballots Absentee vote by mail ballots were sent via regular mail, and 600,000 were deposited in the estimated 300 drop box drop boxes located around the state, and were manually picked up and transported by election workers to the local county registrar for subsequent counting. As of May 17th, only 59 of Georgia's 159 counties have provided ballot transfer data to the Georgia Star News. The number of absentee by mail ballots delivered to those registrars in those 159 counties total only 266,000 or 44.4% of the estimated 600,000 absentee vote by mail ballots deposited in drop boxes and delivered to county registrars and counted in Georgia's 2020 presidential election. So this means that only 59 of the counties gave data to the Georgia Star News and were and, and their reported data. Where are the other 100? So it says, more than six months after the November 3rd election in Georgia, there are no chain of custody documents for 333,000 or 55.6% of the estimated 600,000 absentee vote by mail ballots deposited in drop boxes and delivered to county registrars counted in Georgia's 2020 presidential election. So they don't have record of those other ballots you know they don't have the like the, the the chain of custody documents, okay? So they're kind of like, okay, where's the where's the data that says all this stuff uh, came in? They don't have it because in a lot of states, in a lot of states like Wisconsin, there were more there were more tabulated votes than voters in Wisconsin. So there's that. So a gentleman by the name of Representative Vernon Jones says this. He says. Today, I am officially issuing my call for a full and forensic audit of Georgia's 2020 election. While Brian Kemp, who is the governor, continues to sit on the sidelines, I will continue uh, to on the front. I will continue on the front lines for the security of our election. Now, he also says, my question to those in the media attacking my calls for an audit today is simple. What scares you so much about transparency? Yeah, I would agree because it's kind of like, why not just, like I say all the time, why not just audit it so that you can tell them that Joe Biden really won? Okay, if he really won, that is. Okay, what's wrong with the transparency? Okay, like if I made a claim about, I don't know, if I made a claim that 20 years ago in the southeastern part of the Sahara Desert, it got up to 177 degrees Fahrenheit one day. Wouldn't you want to like, you'd be like, wow, that's crazy. That's a crazy temperature. And you wanted to look it up to see if I'm telling the truth. Why would I try to stop you? If I was lying, I would try to stop you. Okay. It's just, it's just simple logic there. Okay. And I'm gonna tell you one thing before I move on uh, to like my last part here. In my years of living, 
I've only been alive 25 years. <laughs> but I've seen some presidential uh, races here. I have never seen a presidential uh, election win on any day other than the election day. Why is it this election here, the winner was declared on a different day? Obama, Trump, Bush, Clinton, all of them won on election day. But Joe Biden didn't win on election day. Some people are going to say, oh, it's because of all the ballots coming in and things like that. That doesn't make any sense. They could have counted those ballots earlier. This is the only election I haven't seen. This is the, this is the only election I have not seen the winner declared on election day. And also the Constitution specifies that there is only one election day. So it all has to be done in one day. It's illegal to make it go past one day. It's illegal because the Constitution does not specify more than one day. It specifies the first Tuesday in uh, November. Now, Matthew DiPerno, he said a couple things on his Twitter. So let's go ahead and I'll go ahead and read to you a couple things he said on his Twitter. He says, in July of 2020, counties across the state of Michigan received a an FOIA from Michigan Election Reform Alliance asking for scanned digital ballot images. This was similar to a FOIA sent in 2016. Many county clerks engaged in a multi-layer discussion of how to respond, which included copying the Michigan Bureau of Elections on the discussion. The counties appear to have understood that the disclosure was required under opinion number 7247. Many counties have also acknowledged that the best way to avoid disclosure of ballot images was to turn off ballot imaging at the tabulator. From Justin Robach, Ottawa County Clerk, he said this, LOL, so funny. From Anna Marie Anna Marie Maine uh, of the Paresque Isle County. She says there are no records. Uh, Carolyn Wilson of Shiawassee County. She says it's the same. Now, Michigan takes an image of the ballot that is submitted and then tabulates the votes based on the ballot image. Uh, 52 U.S. Code 20701 requires that all election records must be maintained for 22 months. But Michigan counties appear to have collectively decided to not retain ballot images produced by machines. The default settings store the images, which means they manually disable the image store feature. Wow. So, in a nutshell, the United States law says that uh, election data must be kept for 22 months. And so the machines that they use to count the ballots take a photo in Michigan. They take a photo and they tabulate the votes to each candidate depending on the photo of the ballot. And then so people are asking for these photos so that they can audit the election because the machines are automatically set to take the photos. And as people are asking for the photos to see how the ballots were tabulated, the machines don't have the photos because they were manually tampered with to not have the photos. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So if they tampered with the ballots over here in Michigan and they tampered with the machines, where else do you think that they tampered with the machines? So now... Let's move on to Maricopa County. So from the Gateway Pundit, they say huge Maricopa County audit team 
They admit that the files were deleted, but they were able to recover those files. They refused to answer why files were deleted on the voting machines, but they turned, uh, excuse me, they refused to answer why files were deleted on voting machines they turned over to the auditors. During the he hearing today, the Cyber Ninja team announced that they had recovered the deleted files from the voting machines. And so, pretty much the Maricopa County Recorder's Office is the ones being blamed. So they're saying, in addition, Maricopa County Recorder's Office is responsible for maintaining voter files for more than 2.6 million active registered voters in Maricopa County. And a person by the name of Code Monkey Z on Telegram, they say this. They say, has the Maricopa County Recorder been selected as the scapegoat? Have the county supervisors and vendor decided he will be the one to hold the hot potato? And they're having uh, panicked guest appearances on certain media outlets like CNN and others. Things like that. So, I have an article from justthenews.com. They're saying that serial numbers are missing between the original and duplicate ballots in Arizona election audit. A gentleman by the name of Ken Bennett says this. He says, we are struggling as to how we are going to be able to match up ballots that couldn't be read by machines. The Arizona Senate audit, excuse me, the Arizona Senate's audit of Maricopa County's general election has a hit, has hit a new snag, verifying whether some ballots may have been counted twice. The liaison between Senate Republicans who authorized the audit and county officials told a hearing that serial numbers were missing on damaged ballots that were duplicated so that they could be read by vote tabulation machines. Former, former Secretary of State Ken Bennett's team uncovered the error just a few days ago. He told Senate President Karen Fan and the Judicial Committee Chair Warren Peterson, each damage, each damaged ballot and its associated duplicate ballot are supposed to have the same serial number to ensure they are only counted once. But he has found many batches of damaged ballots without the serial numbers that are on the duplicates violating state law we are struggling as to how we're going to be able to match up those damaged and duplicated ballots isn't that crazy so so, so for me to explain this in a nutshell so pretty much you know when you vote you know you have to put your ballot in the machine and things like that so some of these ballots were actually damaged and so because they were damaged um, they were duplicated in order so that the machine could actually make a, a count on the ballot. And each ballot has a serial number. And when you duplicate the damaged ballot, the duplicate and the original should both have um, serial numbers on them. But the discrepancy here, the problem here is that they're looking at the batches of, of damaged ballots that have serial numbers and the duplicates of those damaged ballots do not have serial numbers. Something is wrong, okay? Something is wrong. That's a violation of state law. So the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is looking fishy here, okay? Because look, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, they fought court-ordered subpoenas for five months. They didn't have the administrator passwords to the voting machines. They don't have the, the chain of custody documentation. Um, they don't have ballot storage bags properly sealed they don't have all the ballots they didn't turn over router images 
in violation of the subpoena. They say that the election routers are hooked to 50 plus departments. They say that the election routers are hooked up to law enforcement. They say that taking forensic image of routers will cost $6 million. They start a social media campaign attacking Senate auditors. They go on corporate media to attack Senate auditors. They deny everything that the auditors are documenting. And they refuse to comply with a court-ordered subpoena. Something's not right here. Something's not right. Somebody's hiding something. We're going to find out. We are going to find out. So, hey, that's all I have for you wonderful folks for uh, this week. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that God sent his son. Um, Be well. Be safe. Buy gold. Buy silver. Buy Bitcoin. Don't be afraid of the dip. Take your emotions out of investing and you'll be fine. So. Uh, I can't wait to be back here again on Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening again. If you like what I've been saying, if you like what I've been doing, consider going to my website, pursuitoftruth.info, and scrolling down and consider donating a dollar. Or if you have questions, comments, concern, consider going to my website, pursuitoftruth.info, and scrolling all the way down and leaving me an email, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So thank you so much. I love you, and I'll see you next week on Tuesday.